0: Welcome to the Leadership Mindset Podcast with me, Tony Brooks, where we look to revolutionise your leadership mindset by changing how you think and see your world, enabling you to do the right things and grow significantly as a leader. Hello and welcome back to the Leadership Mindset Podcast series and I'm really pleased to have with me today, Taryn Johnston, Uh, especially pleased because my one and only book so far Taryn was the uh, the person that actually worked with me on designing the book, proofreading, editing, publishing the book, getting out on Amazon, helping me with the marketing. And um, she's um, probably a bit concerned to hear that she's going to be doing the same with me again <laughs> later this year. Uh, so, yeah, brilliant to have Taryn on. Taryn, for those of you who don't know, Taryn runs two independent publishing companies, FCM Publishing and Chronos Publishing and a media agency called FS- FCM Media. She's also created a new VR project called um, Metareads, which you were telling me about over coffee recently, which is really fascinating. Uh, also a TEDx speaker. Yeah,
1: yeah. You didn't
0: mention that in your introduction, Taryn, but yeah, yeah, TEDx speaker as well, which I'm hoping to follow you on that path as well. So
1: welcome, Taryn. Thank you. I'm just looking very quickly. Um you're going to try and it, find a copy it, of my book, aren't you? I was. It's behind me somewhere. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just, there <laughs> it is. Here there, you
0: there you go. There you go. There it is. Look at that. PI leadership.
1: I'm going to pop that there, look. So it's
0: yeah. It's yeah. There. there we go. Brilliant. Right. Hey <laughs> <laughs> no, Brilliant to have you on. So, Taryn, why the passion for books then? Well, where's that? Where's uh, that from?
1: It, do you know It comes right back. So if anyone's actually watched my TEDx talk, Big Plug here. Um, (laughs) you'll see I've I've got a massive love affair with books, always have had. Um, when I was tiny, my mum reckons I was reading before I was three. Um, and she went off to, sent me off to infant school as they did in those days. And, um, the teacher told us to take my books off me. And my mum was absolutely horrified at the thought. Um, but we grew up, so I was single parent in the, The 70s, which was kind of unheard of, and we didn't have anything. Yeah, my mum was keeping a roof over her head. She worked three jobs. Um, so I spent all my days in the library, and the library was just this place where I could escape and adventure and just learn. Yeah, I taught myself French. Um, I'd read the complete works of Shakespeare by the time I was 11. Blimey. That will, that will give you some idea of, um, of, of what I was like as a kid. Um and then in my senior school I had this English teacher called Mr. Peck and he was really passionate about English and I and I loved it. And he took um a short story that I'd written and he got it published. Uh and that that was kind of it and that that sort of fueled it even more then. Um and That was what I age? That, I was 13. 13, yeah. 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 I mean. So yeah that was that's that's what fueled it.
0: And that's a lot of fuel there. The whole work, works of Shakespeare by the age of 11. I know. It's a bit <laughs> well, precocious I, to be fair. Well, I'm coming up to 60 this year, and I think I've probably only read one or two, and probably one of them, because I had to do Julius Caesar at school, I think. So there you go. I'm quite a bit behind you there, Taryn. <laughs> to catch up. And, then, and interestingly, we'll come to it later, but interesting, you you're, you tend to be more of a fiction reader these days mm. than a non-fiction, don't you? Yeah.
1: There, there is a reason that. That's probably because... In my working life, I'm doing a lot of business books and I yeah. do obviously a lot of academic stuff because I'm working at the university as well. So um, I tend to listen to podcasts uh, on non-fiction sort of non-fiction-y stuff okay. more than I would read it.
0: Yeah. OK. No, I must admit, I don't read many fiction books these days. I tend to either read business mindset books or... During the pandemic, I developed a, a real love for biographies, particularly you, you and I are both into rock music, aren't we, Taryn? Um, yeah, so I, I, I tend to enjoy reading biographies about characters like Lemmy and Dave Grohl and all that kind of thing, and Ozzy, Aussie. Aussie uh, uh,
1: did so you read the um, Cosy Powell
0: one? Oh, not read that one. I'll add that to my list. Do you know, yeah. Slade were the – oh, no, no, sorry, I'm getting mixed up with Don Powell, isn't it, the Slade drummer. Cosy Powers in Rainbow. For a while. Yeah. Okay. No, I'll, I'll put that on my list. Yeah. Excellent. Great drama, Great drummer. So, yeah, interesting. Okay. Great, great to share your passion. So why do you, let's particularly go into the non-fiction world a bit. Why do you think it's uh, a good path for people who are in business to think about writing their own book as well?
1: I think gone are the days when you could just send someone your business card and kind of go, you know, if, you, if you're interested, this is what I do. Yeah. Um, particularly the pandemic, kind of opened up the business world for, for micro-business owners. Um, and nothing really screams, I know what I'm talking about, more than actually putting it in paper and standing up and going. I'm <laughs> so good at what I do. I wrote the book on it. It's almost like, do you remember that um, was it Remington? It's so good. I put my name on it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. God, that's yeah.
0: from way back, isn't
1: it? I know. And i am showing my age, aren't I? But, but it's, it's very much that, you know, um, if I'm prepared to stand up and stand by what I've written and say, you know what, um, this is what I believe, this is what I'm good at, and I've put it in a book, it gives you that sense of credibility. It gives you that sense of, um, trust. And pe- you know, people know where they're coming from when they, when they meet you as well. So, yeah, you know, it's, it really is. Um, it's a great marketing tool. It's a great leveraging tool.
0: Yeah. No, I must admit, you know, when I worked with you on my book in 2015, I saw it as a, 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 a well, a much more elaborate version of a business card in a way, but mm. it is something you could give to people. And um, I must admit as well, you, like you talk about positioning yourself. Uh, there was a company in Malaysia who hired me to go and train in Malaysia and um, Dubai a few years back. And they said the two things that did it. One was I was a qualified psychologist and the other I'd written a book and they said they probably wouldn't have approached me if I had got those two. So um, so yeah. just from that angle. Uh, and I think my book's been really useful for me over the years. And uh, and I don't know, I think it's um, – I think there is all of those good reasons to do it. One of the driving reasons for me to write my new book is I just I'm really fascinated in the topic and want to – Pull all my thinking together into something cohesive. Um, so even if nobody else ever bought it already, I think I'd like to do it just from that angle. Maybe I'm insane it's, it's, for that. Part.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because you, you, you do kind of sometimes you, you're so busy doing what you do that you forget how much you love it and you forget why why you enjoyed doing it and writing about it gives you the chance to kind of re- revisit it and yeah. fall back in love with it again um so yeah th- th- there are there are many 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 good reasons I, I know um one author i work with had been desperately trying to get in front of a, a particular company couldn't get the door open they just didn't want to know and he wrote a book and then um, we, after we published it he sent the book to the md with a post-it note and a particular section of the book and on that post-it note he'd written we've ri- just written this book i honestly think this section would be really good for you guys you know have a read tell me what you think and he got the contract it you know it was just and just literally it you know, costed in the the price of the book and the, the stamp and that was that and i think he said it was the biggest contract the business had ever had
0: Hey, they're wonderful yeah brilliant and i think um so there's like there's as you said there's loads and loads of good reasons there for why somebody who's in business might want to write a book um what about what what do you think stops people doing it then taryn what why, why is it that some people who might think they've got a book in them get get blocked from doing that
1: there are there are three key reasons the first one's fear yeah um putting your head above the parapet and saying, I'm an expert in this and I'm the best at it. There are a lot of keyboard warriors out there. There are a lot of unpleasant people out there. And there's a lot of people that don't like to see you doing well, which is pretty rubbish. So um, the fear of of doing that and standing up and going, hey, look what I've done, puts people off. They don't want to kind of put their head above the parapet and expect to get it shot. Um, So that would be the first one. Second one is time. You know, um, that, that's probably the, the most common one. I get. I just don't have time. I challenge you. I challenge you that if you watch TV, you know, you watch the soaps and the, or your, your partner watches soaps and you're not interested in it, or you have half an hour at your lunch break or whatever you can write, you can write every single day at the same time, every single day. And even if you just write for half an hour, you can do it. So time isn't necessarily an excuse. Um, it's more about priorities and it's not a priority. It's not that you don't have the time. It's not that you don't have the priority to do it. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is people don't believe that they can write and yeah. they think that they have to be grammatically correct. They're, they're worried about being maybe dyslexic or not understanding how to structure it. So the fear of, of either not being able to write or not knowing what the process is, that tends to to put people off as well
0: yeah yeah no I, I, yeah, I, can, I can get both of that uh, well sorry all three of those i mean i think the fear one is um i've been talking a lot about people believing they've got imposter syndrome uh over the last two or three years i think it seemed, it's been around since the 70s that term but it's really seemed to have uh, risen in, in prevalence a lot in fact the guest on our podcast series last month was Caroline Flanagan who's an expert in that area and I think people have that issue I think to a degree you know am I good enough is it you know am I really good enough to do that the time one's interesting because I think I I got into a habit when I did my book tearing of getting up in the morning and doing half an hour or so um, and got into a habit with that and that was a good time for me to do it and I think I'll do something similar this time and then but I think what I underestimated was the time in uh, pulling it all together at the end, proofreading it and all that, because uh, you did such a brilliant job making sure it, it was accurate and it, and it looked good. You know, that's, the, that's the thing. I think if people are going to do something, they want to put something out that represents somebody's quality, really. And, uh, and I guess some people might rush it a little bit too much or not work with the right people. So there's those. And then the can't write piece. Uh, I, I guess people engage with stories and interesting, um it doesn't have to be perfect does it in a way but then again you somebody like you can help with that anyway um but there's people who write in all sorts of st- they've got so many different styles isn't there and um i like to think that i can write reasonably well but i don't think it's necessary i don't know how you feel about it. not necessarily essential because people want to engage with the person and the author and um and the stories they have got to tell and the and the knowledge they're sharing really i think
1: people are forgiving you know, yeah. if the, if it's well structured, um, and it, it reads okay, people are figure But what, what's the worst thing that you can do is strip it out so it doesn't sound like you. Um, a book has to sound like you so that when I meet you or when I see you on stage, I know that the book that I've just read sounds exactly like you. Yeah. Um, so if you swear a lot when you're, you're in business, there's nothing wrong with swearing in your book. If you're a real funny person, make your book funny. Um so as long as it, as you as you're you, that's okay. And then yeah, I mean, it's always got to be grammatically correct. Of course it has. Couldn't dare let it go. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there are people like me that will do that, you know, the you can dictate your book, you know, you just simply talk into your computer, have somebody transcribe it. And then it get, goes off to an editor and, and it's put together nicely. So that fear of not being able to spell, not being able to structure, that's not a reason not to do it. You know, yeah, Because the, the book's in here and nobody else can get that out. We, yeah, yeah. You, you can tidy it up. You can, you can take all the mistakes out of it. Um, but it's got to come from you first. Nobody else can do that.
0: Yeah, no, very true. And I must admit, one of the things I've got in my mind uh, this time is uh, I use... I mean, there's there's loads of transcribing sort of apps and stuff now, aren't there? And I use Otter for my LinkedIn videos on a Friday. And I was thinking I'll this time I'll just talk and Mm. and record videos and then just get them transcribed as a starting point. Uh, And I think that's the thing with the fear thing a little bit is almost don't worry too much about the end product and publishing and all that at the beginning. Just literally start, you know, whether you just talk and then get it transcribed, start getting the material down. Mm. Um, And then I think... What helps for sure getting through the fear barrier is finding somebody like you, Taryn, who you can work with. And unless you're super confident, and a lot of people completely self-publish and they they want to go through all the hassle of doing that, but for most people, I think um, working with somebody like yourself it will give them more confidence that they've got somebody who can guide them, help them, help them with the structure and, and those kind of things. And uh, I work
1: with quite a few authors who have previously self-published and have kind of gone. I'm a few years down the line from it and either A, it's not performed as well as I wanted it to because the best will in the world, there's not, there's not the same trust with a self-published book as there is with one that's been published yeah. by, um, you know, a publishing house. So it's not going to perform necessarily as well unless you're selling it at the back of the room or on your website, you know, it, it's not going to do as well. But secondly, I think you kind of, what I've found is that they've gone, do you know what, I wish I'd done it right the first time and, and had it reviewed. So when it comes to me, I go kind of like, OK, well, this section here doesn't quite work or, you know, this needs yeah. rewriting. And we put it into to something that's just tied it up. You know, they, they, it's all there, but they haven't had that set of eyes that's gone, right, OK, let's make this better for the reader
0: yeah yeah um
1: and it's difficult sometimes to write for your audience because you're 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 writing for what you think yeah. they want rather than actually what they do want and having somebody who's in the industry being able to go and actually you know what they, um I've worked with a guy recently who's absolutely brilliant and he's funny and he's uh it can be a bit one of the lads and the stuff that he's put in there and I kind of, you you can't put that in. You know and it's being conscious of language as well, yeah, yeah. Um, you you don't want to offend anybody, particularly if you're if you're not setting out to do that, but you have to be aware of language you have to be aware of certain words you know, it was he it was calling women girls, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. you know isn't necessarily dreadful, but you don't want to put your reader off.
0: Yeah, no, totally get that. And even just simple things, actually, one of the things that always stick in my mind. Uh, and we're talking nearly eight years on. Was um, I used to? I tend to write long form, which is that I'll write it is I will rather than it's an aisle. And you said to me. That From a reading perspective, it's a harder reading, a clunkier read if you if you read like that. Yeah. And um, I'm not perfect, but I, I try and keep that in mind when I do posts on LinkedIn. And um, I'll definitely keep it in mind, Terry, when I'm <laughs> setting on. We're
1: going to not have so many sews in this one.
0: Oh, there were a lot of those. As well. <laughs> that's another one of my habits that creeps in at times. I'm glad you've mentioned that. because <laughs> That's come right back to my consciousness now. So. Yeah. so (laughs) so we'll do our best not to do that then you'll just have to edit them all out won't you um so yes some some ways to resolve all that and i and and i genuinely feel if somebody thinks they've got a book in them um just start getting the material down and you know uh dictate it into one of these apps something start transcribing it and then i think personally when you get it to a point then have a have a conversation with somebody like you, you can say you know is this a is this something in this and then get it done properly you know rather than um... well, i'm
1: always very brutal um yeah you are and i will, I will always say if there's if i think there's a market for it if there's not um because there's, there's no point in me going oh yeah yeah that's brilliant if i think mm, no. yeah uh, or, or there's 20 of them uh out there so, yeah, yeah no absolutely
0: so in a bit more detail then how do you help people write and publish their book then
1: um, so we go right from the very, very beginning. Um, So whether it's somebody who comes to us and says, I want to write a book, I've got no clue how to do it, um, I've got an idea, or I want to tell my story or whatever, then we will work with them on a monthly basis, give that accountability. Because that's the other thing is accountability. You know, you, you say to people, I'm going to write a book, and they go, yeah, yeah. Um, if you've got somebody that's ringing you, so I've got one client who I ring every single Thursday at 5 p.m., and I say, you know, right, where are we at? You know, you're getting close to your deadline. You've you said you'll have this many words to me by then. I ring at Thursday and say, you know, deadlines are coming. So we'll we'll do that whole accountability. Uh we get others who have written it and that just need it fully editing, um, formatting and all of the, the tidying up done before it goes to publishing. Um and we have some that just want PR. So I think we're one of the only sort of independents that have every aspect from author coaching right the way through to marketing and pr training and services um because that i think that's possibly my biggest bugbear is that a lot of authors think that writing the book that's it their job's done and yeah. you know this tony it's it's not yeah you know, that's that's the beginning yeah yeah um, as a publisher i'm not your I'm not your marketing team. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll do marketing. And if you want us to help you do it, we'll do it. But at the end of the day, I can I can shout from the rooftops how brilliant your book is, but they're not going to believe me. They're going to believe you. You yeah. know, and, and yeah. readers want to know about you. That the readers are really, really nosy and they want to know who you are, what you're doing, what you're talking about, and where you are, where you're at, where they can find you doesn't matter what i say yeah. so knowing that you know you've actually which you've written the book you've got an awfully big job still ahead of yourself um is something that we prepare authors for as well
0: yeah and i think it's ongoing and i think um and you kind of came along to it i did my launch event in june whatever the date was June 2015 but yeah it was uh, it was good actually to focus on that as well I think there was about 50 60 people about 60 people in the room I think mm-hmm. and um, that was that was the start of it really and it was as you say um, and and I think things like then when you start to get reviews on Amazon um, and what have you you can use that in your marketing can't you you know funny enough yeah. I was just putting a um, a new sheet together for my promoting my keynote speaking and in that put you know four and a half star uh, amazon rated book in 2015 so that journey as you say evolves develops and you have to put you have to put some work into that as well as well as the book you have to put some work into actually uh, and you like using it as well like you said with that with that guy who stuck the post-it note in and sent it to a prospect and i've done that kind of thing as well so yeah no good so no brilliant and that's what you can do for, from front to back there what do you think about whether um somebody is at the right time and place to write a book and i'll get just share with you something on that in fact i've been playing around with the topic for for my Uh, intended book which is around survival psychology and survival thinking as you know Taryn and um, the ways in which our survival instinct can hijack us more than we think and how awareness of that can help and mastering it and when I was talking through this early last year with a couple of people they said don't write the book yet go and play with the material a bit talk to people Uh, and that's been really useful actually I must admit the last 12 months or so I've had calls with leaders and confidential calls and said you know how do you think you get um, blocked by survival thinking, I think as I've talked about it more on LinkedIn, I've got more comfortable with the material. Is there a right? Is there a, is there ever a right time to to write a book, or is it?
1: that There's always going to be sort of topics that are. Key. So I'm working with somebody at the moment who's doing a book on recession, um, and I'm working with somebody else who's doing a book on stress. So you know. That there are always going to be timely things, but the one thing I always say is a book will come out when it's meant to come out. Okay, so so you might have in your head I'm going to write it and it's going to be out in August, but actually if August isn't when it's meant to come out, it won't. And and you can call me woo or whatever you like, but this this is coming from. 12 years of experience now that that book will not go out until it's it's the time is right. And, and that, and it's almost like they, they determine their own times. Um, but yeah, it's, if you rush to do it, I mean, you know, I've had people that said I'm going to write it in a month and it's going out. And I think it's going to be dreadful. Um, take your time, take the time, do the research, find the things that you didn't know you were missing yeah, yeah. Um, and the, you know, the, the bits, cause that you know, you set out your plan and it's great. If you haven't set out a plan, why haven't you set out a plan? Um, that's one of the first things I always send out is like, yeah, here's a plan just to keep you on track. Yeah. Um, but you know, you'll, you will kind of wander off a little bit and then you might find something that you weren't expecting. And if you, yeah. if you set rigidly, I've got to have it written by this time, you won't do that research and you might miss something.
0: Yeah no really good points and i think that planning and having milestones and all of that kind of thing really really good to keep you on track with that as well what do you think you've touched on a couple of the a couple of ideas around this already really but particularly because um uh, a lot of the people who will be listening to this podcast will be thinking about writing a nonfiction fiction book potentially what do you think makes a you know really good non-fiction book then taryn
1: the, the first thing is as i said before it has to sound like you yeah um because otherwise people feel cheesy. I had a, a book sent to me by a guy who I'd known for years and years. And he's, he won't mind me saying this. He's a really funny guy. He's, he's brilliant. And I was really looking forward to his book coming. He'd done stand up comedy. He'd been in the theatre and it was awful. Yeah. It was dreadful. It read like Mr. Generic's book. And I went back to him and I, and I excused the line, but I He said, Itch it yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing? And he said, my wife said the same thing. Um, and I said, it doesn't sound like you. It, okay. you know so that that's the key thing tone tone of voice knowing your audience do do the research first on who your audience is and write for them yeah. um and then be be make it your material there's there's nothing worse than something that's just simply regurgitated Jim Rohn or um you know Tony Robbins which is regurgitated Rohn. um <laughs> but you know If you've got an idea and it's yours, then, then, you know, write yours. Don't, don't think you've got to fill it with somebody else's material. Um, and look for that, you know, what frustrates you in what you're doing? If, if there isn't any information about it, if there's no information out there in your, in your world and that frustrates you, write about it.
0: Yeah. No, some great points there. And I think um, one thing that stuck with me a few years back when I went to a professional speakers association conference was uh, somebody said something about don't you know, be a karaoke speaker. And in the same way, I think what you're saying with, with writing, it's no good standing up there and just talking about everybody else's theories and what have you. Yeah. Although, uh, I think it's good, particularly in my line of work, it's good to reference some of the research in neuroscience. Whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see
1: you fundamentally, have to but yeah, make it fundamentally, yours.
0: Yeah, fundamentally, yeah. it's got to be, what's your take on this? And it's almost yeah. hanging off that research to support you, but don't let the... I've, I've seen books where, you know, they, they might have one chapter completely dedicated almost to uh, all the c- content and ideas from another book they've read you know, famous book, whether it be as you say, Jim Rohn or Chimp Paradox or whatever it might be. Um so yeah, I think that's really good advice actually. It's mm. drive it with your own voice as well. Uh that's why even more for me this time, I didn't do this last time, but this time I'm definitely going to just record myself talking and then transcribe that as a starting point. Um because I think that will change the the way it comes across rather than uh, just going straight to putting pen to paper, I think that well personally, I think that will help me anyway <laughs> but there you go. what about you okay, then um, a couple of questions before we finished um finished sorry, what's your favorite book that you've ever read then Taryn not not the complete works of Shakespeare you can't have no <laughs> no um
1: all right, so I mean I love Edgar Allan Poe um i I wouldn't necessarily have got a favorite of his but I, he's just an author I go to every now and again when I want to immerse myself um, I've got a series of books called The Bulgariad* by David Eddings and I read them when I was 13 um, and I've got the original book that I had when I was 13 and um, every now and again just on a whim I'll go back, there's like uh, 10 books in the ser- series and I'll go back and I've probably read them Every gen- so every decade, but also sometimes maybe twice a decade, and I I link with different characters each time. You know, I would have started off rooting for the the, the kid, and then now I'm kind of rooting for the for the grandmother who's like, yeah, I can't be dealing with your nonsense. Um, so that that's really good, and I've kind of gone back. Um, yeah, that's probably the the older I. I find it hard to read now, I'll be honest with you, um, because whenever I pick up a book, I go into proofreading or editing I'll mode. I'll bet you do. Um, uh, yeah. And I mean, I used to really love Patricia Cornwell and I loved um, Jeffrey Deaver. And then I picked up a Patricia Cornwell and realised it was, the way it was written, just really jarred. And I, and I wanted to kind of go to it and go, this is awful. And then I read a Jeffrey Deaver and there was mistakes in it.
0: Yeah. Oh and
1: it too, takes that would be so
0: unsettling for somebody like you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so actually and, and this is this is just between you and me, Tony, don't don't tell anybody else. Um I I read dreadful American fantasy that I know is going to be badly written, grammatically incorrect, um formulaic and just awful simply because I imagine, cause I don't, I don't watch any soaps and I don't watch any of the kind of reality TV, but I imagine it's the equivalent of that. Cause plus my brain goes, we can shut down now. Cause this is dreadful. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't have to think about it. So that's my way of literally just shutting off. Cause otherwise if I try and read something, it's probably why I don't read nonfiction either. Yeah, cause I'm again, I'm, I'm going rather than learning from it, I'm looking. Yeah.
0: You see, I will watch something like Married at First Sight to switch off. You do something different. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so when you, so okay, so when you were reading all that heavy stuff at the age of I don't know, eleven, twelve, I was probably reading Paddington or something. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember what I was reading at the age of eleven or twelve. Okay, I've heard of Edgar Allan Poe, but I've never uh, read anything by him. So- well, it was it was
1: Edgar Allan Poe's um, "Time Clock of the Heart" that I rewrote. At 13, wow. it was published. So the, the story is of a, a man who's caring for an older man who's who's in bed dying. And every night he opens the door and he shines a light into the old man's eyes and terrifies him until eventually he dies. So I, I rewrote that.
0: Yeah. OK. OK. And on the subject of writing, and you wrote um, a book a couple of years back called The Happy Printer. I did. Um, and I was asking you before, but I'm going to ask you the question now publicly. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever write another book then, Taryn? Um, <laughs> or are you too busy helping everybody else? I,
1: I am too busy at the moment. The, the The new project is taking all of my time. My mum says to me, oh, at least once or si- every six months, when are you going to write your own book? She wants me to write a, a fantasy or um, a story. One day, maybe. But right now, my passion is helping everybody else. So yeah, that's great. You've got when, it, when it's, when it's, it's screaming pain. loudly enough in my head. Yeah, when matter. the time is right. When the
0: time is yeah. right. Yeah. Hey, no, brilliant. Thank you, Taryn. It's been um, fascinating. Obviously, I know you very well anyway, but I think it'd be really interesting for people out there who are thinking they might have a book in them um, and for people who possibly thought they haven't got a book in them or they haven't got the courage to do it. But maybe listening to today, one great thing for me would be there's a few people out there start to shift their mindset and think, actually, you know, I think there could be a book in me. Um, and I have had some um, because we've all had a unique set of experiences through life and through business and, more and careers and what have you. So. May well have something that,
1: um, well, I can actually say in, in all of my time and, and doing various different talks and things like that, I've only ever met one person who categorically said, I don't have a book in me. Yeah, yeah. One. And I've got, to, by the time I'd finished speaking to them, they didn't. The, the, <laughs> <Okay. was nothing>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, okay. yeah I, I think, um, I think everybody's got it in there. What I would say is, you know, if you are thinking about doing it, do your research, have a chat with different, um, publishers, with different, um, agents, things like that. See which direction you want to go in. Um, if you need information about publishing, find out, find out what, you know, what it is you want to do because there are different ways of being published. And, um, you know, if it will all depend on you and what you're looking for, the outcome for, for where you're going to go with that
0: yeah yeah for for me for example one of the big things about um working with somebody like you rather than i mean maybe would be difficult anyway to try, try and get in with one of the big publishers is that um freedom uh i mean obviously you you guided me and advised me and all that kind of thing and helped did a great job on the book design the cover that was brilliant all that kind of thing um but if you go in with one of the more recognised, bigger publishing houses, they tend to dictate things a bit more. And that doesn't really appeal to me, Be more of a free spirit. So that's sort of... I'll I'll
1: be honest, everyone says you shouldn't pay for publishing. And that's this one kind of annoys me because no matter what type of publishing you do, you pay. Yeah um yeah you know and, it, and if you go with one of the traditional publishing houses you pay simply by the loss of control the loss of yeah, the copyright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and you get such a tiny amount of royalty that they recoup all of their costs anyway yeah, out of your yeah. royalties yeah. so you you will pay one yeah, way or yeah. another so it all depends you know what it is you want but totally, just totally. good research
0: so uh, just before we wind up then if people want to find out more about tarring, uh where's the best place to go then
1: um, I've created an umbrella website so you can find all the different aspects and that is www.thefcmgroup.co.uk. dot co uk.
0: The fcm group? It is Uk. Yeah. yeah, and I'll add that to um the, the notes that accompany uh, the podcast episode when it goes out. So for any of those budding authors or repeat authors out there like myself, um Definitely uh, have a chat with uh, with Taryn, I would say because um, it'd be a much more enjoyable and easier journey uh, than it would be if you try and find or try and find some of the past.
1: I remind you of that. I know it's not going
0: to be. I know it's not going to be easy. I know it's not. I'm well. I'm well prepared for it. I think it's going to be easier second time though. Maybe I'm misguided with that, but we'll see. (laughs) Hey, but brilliant! Thanks ever so much for your time, Taryn.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: If you want to explore your leadership mindset in more detail, why not complete our free leadership diagnostic at thetonybrooks.com and subscribe to this podcast to join us for future podcasts.